0: Welcome to the Exponential Podcast. My name is Peyton Jones and as Exponential's content director, I'll be your guide to the curation of the world's largest multiplication library of resources and training. We currently have four shows running Monday through Thursday, each with a different thrust towards accelerating multiplication. On Monday, join us for Frontlines, tackling current issues facing pastors and planners. On Tuesday, tune in for Biblically Speaking, theological foundations for transformative race conversations. On Wednesdays, Ralph Moore heads Practical Multiplication, a Pastor's Guide to Accelerating Multiplication. And lastly, Candid Conversations is on Thursday, unpacking definitions of diversity. Be sure to catch them all as they will serve as equipping companions on your discipleship journey towards multiplication. Today, we'll be catching up with Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce on Practical Multiplication. Practical Multiplication highlights exponential's core church multiplication frameworks with a focus on the Every day, practical nature of how these concepts can help pastors and church planners make disciples and multiply churches now let's join
1: Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce hey welcome to practical multiplication with Ralph and Myron and today it's my joy and privilege to uh, interview and introduce my friend Myron Pierce uh, we got to know each other through exponential a couple of years ago Um Really, really fun hanging out with a guy exactly half my age, who's doing some incredible things in ministry. So, so welcome, Myron.
2: It's good to be here, Uncle Ralph. <laughs> <Right there. laughs> I, wa- I, I want to say, Grandpa Ralph, Uncle Ralph. It's, all of those are terms of endearment. If you were from the inner city, I'd call you OG Ralph.
1: And explain to everybody what that OG means.
2: Original grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I use a different word, but it's originally original gangster.
1: <laughs> original gangster, yeah. Well, I guess if you're making disciples, maybe you are kind of a gangster in a way. Um, maybe that's why people join gangs is they're looking for what we're not giving them. And, uh, it's, the greatest,
2: not talk- it's the greatest paradigm for church planting multiplication. Explain that, unpack that. Yeah, I was telling my friends over at uh, the KC Underground, I said, uh, most church planters don't need a typical Level 3 residency for church planting. They need to go incarnate in the inner city and learn how gangbangers disciple more gangbangers who plant more gangs, that plant more gangs, that lead to a movement.
1: That's incredible. In a way, that's really scary. And in a way, it says to me that we didn't, we didn't do our job, and somebody else co-opted it, and, uh, and the care that people seem to get from a gang and the sense of belonging is something that, that was ours to do, and we haven't done it as well as we can do it. Um, right. So as we get going here today, we're going to be talking about three dimensions of multiplication, and, and those are uh, disciple-making, capacity-building, and mobilizing our members for ministry. And so Myron, you, you know, as I've gotten to know you, you're just kind of a born disciple maker. And I know you grew up in some pretty tough streets and uh, did some, some pretty hard time in jail. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and then how in that experience you learned some things about disciple making that have rolled over into the church and then we'll get into the three dimensions.
2: Yeah, uh repeat um offender. Um jail, penitentiary, gang banger that led me to prison uh where I did a stint between both sentences of of 8 years. And uh it was in that time Ralph, that I really I really learned how to make disciples. You know, nobody nobody had to ask me to do it. Um I just felt like I saw it in the Bible. I saw Jesus tell uh, his, his original posse, his cadre, his gang, um, that this is how we do things. And as Jesus, the OG, would say, you know, go and make disciples. I caught that. I understood that. And, and, and I think, uh, Ralph, my passion for our king um, led me to be a contagious disciple maker myself. And so when I found out that that's what I was doing, Um, I I just thought, well, shouldn't everybody be doing this? When I found out it was a problem in America and the blessing of um, exponential adding language to level one, level two, level three, level four, level five, it helped me understand that no, not everybody's doing this. And in fact, some are, some are subtracting, some are plateauing, some are adding, some are reproducing and some are multiplying. And, uh, and so love the language there because it helps me understand uh, what type of leader, leader I am when it comes to making disciples.
1: Yeah, you know, um, when I encountered Todd Wilson and Exponential and the five levels, it really helped me to understand what I had been doing all my life and why I got so much strong pushback from the level three guys who just didn't want to do it. And so in the, in the denominational setup I was in, uh, they, it rather than just ignore what I was doing, there was pushback against it. And, and, and I felt like I found a home here. But as we get into this uh, three dimensions, you know, there, there's, there's tension in each one. And there's, there's kind of this pull toward uh, status quo and, you know, building something big addition. And then on the other extreme, there's multiplication. And when we get into disciple making, I have a real problem with the word discipleship. Uh, Because I think discipleship actually is Romans 12, verse 2, that that you present your your body as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. But it's turned into our churches, kind of the scorecard is how many people are reading their Bible, how many people are praying. And so, you know, eight minutes with the Lord every day is discipleship. And there's tons of books written about it. But it's really a far cry from making disciples who make disciples make disciples. You're doing that very effectively, Um, and and as you explain how you're multiplying disciples who multiply disciples, you're not only discipling them in things of the Lord, you're teaching people how to be entrepreneurs and and to make a living and and not be supported by the church. That's a pretty incredible thing that I don't think anybody else is doing. Give us a little insight into that. Take some time with this one. Yeah, Ralph. So I think the I think the first hang up is what
2: our friend Bobby Harrington would say when they when Discipleship Org did the, the study on disciple making in America less than six percent. I believe he said of churches in America are, e- are even make di- making disciples. And one of my gut feelings, Ralph, is that it's impossible to make a disciple without a definition of disciple. A clear biblical definition let me preface it with that and so one of the things that I think is important is number one defining what is a disciple and we have defined a disciple in our context as a hope dealer all throughout the scripture give a reason for the hope that lies within you now these three things remain faith hope right Colossians Paul says that that Christ is the hope of glory scripture talks about a uh, hope being an anchor of the soul and so in our context i think what what's helped us is we've been able to identify what disciple what a disciple maker is but then also what disciple making is right and so yeah. i think yeah so if we can get that that those two variables right in this equation of multiplication then I think the ball will move forward from three to four to five. And so for us, disciple-making is this. It's leading people into – that shows progression, right? It doesn't show information. Right. Right? Leading people into into where? Into what? A hope-filled life in Christ relationship. So, if all of our hope dealers can get on the same page of leading people, that shows generation, right? It, it shows the next generation. It's not just me as first gen, them as second gen. is what Paul tells Timothy to entrust this with faithful leaders who are able to teach and so forth. So it shows that fourth generational language. And so, for us, we said leading people into a hope filled life in Christ is the process of the disciple making and then practically that means um, intentionally invitationally and influence those three things like it's 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 inten- it's invitational in terms of Ralph I, you know I just started golfing you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yo julian yo julian come hang out with me come come hang out with me like let's go play golf he from the hood he don't play golf but golf is an opportunity for us to do life together. Yeah. Right. It's intentional because there is a weekly rhythm where we get together. Yeah. Right. And maybe we could talk about that later. But then this third leg is what we miss when we talk about breaking down, leading people into a whole full life in Christ. And I think it's the influence piece. We just don't want people to have a lot of good information that they can have rhetoric and conversation around. We're not just trying to build, we're not trying to build big churches. We're trying to build a movement of influencers. And so we're teaching our people how to be influencers in the inner city, right? Because some churches are mega without influence. They just have great attendance. No one knows their name in the real world, only in the church world. And so how that pans out for us is we are helping our church live up to what it means to be a side hustle church, because we realize that there are discrepancies, injustices, and challenges that are happening in the inner city that warrants our influence. And so we're attacking that by raising up entrepreneurs as one aspect of disciple making over the last three years. Now uh, we, we've, we've started over 32 businesses Uh, in organizations in the inner city and our hope dealers are making a difference. I'll tell you a story. Uh, Our church, uh, we have a young lady named Elle and uh, Elle came to me one day and she said, you know what? I noticed that people need a hand up. I noticed that people need a hand up, not a handout, but a hand up. I said, well, tell me more. What are you thinking? She says, well, what if we could build a community that helped one another, I say, well, tell me more. And so she said, yeah, I keep noticing that people don't have, you know, like the the things that we take for granted, diapers, milk, bus tickets. And what if we could mobilize people to take care of one another? So she starts a movement, really, called Village Resource Center. Her community has grown to over a thousand people and she's the leader. She's the leader of it. And no one knows my name. That's wonderful. Right. Influence leading people to a hopeful life in Christ is, 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 it has to do with invitation. It has to do with being intentional every single week where there's a rhythm and then using our influence.
1: You know, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday that lives in North Carolina. and uh, He's kind of picked up from you that he's training people uh, how to start businesses because right now people are uh, losing jobs right and left, and they're, and they're trying to figure out how to uh, make something out of themselves. One of the things that we know always happens in a recession are that thousands of new businesses are generated because people are desperate, and they begin to innovate and so he's been teaching classes on uh He's discipling people to be innovators and uh, the city got wind of it and he was in a depressed area there's a lot of houses that have you know been abandoned fallen to the city and so now they're looking at a possibility of of putting missionaries in the neighborhoods uh we, you can get a house really cheap we'll help you fix it up uh, but you're there for a certain duration and and you're the missionary that neighborhood, lots of new things are, are coming down the pipe. But with you, if somebody wants to plant a church, they you're in a in a neighborhood where there's a lot of uh, social assistance for people just to live. Uh, so you've required people to have a job or to have a business. I unpack that one a little bit. If they want yeah, to plant a, a church, our,
2: yeah, it's a part of our church planting um, paradigm. You know, the typical level three church planter. Uh, is under the um, impression that he or she has to raise $350,000. Wait a minute. We're going to raise $350,000 to to put on an event called Sunday. It's called a worship service. And much of what we're calling church planting, it's really event planning. Right. Right. And so, I don't believe that we're in the event planning business. I believe we're in the business of disciple making, number one. And so one of the things that I've required of our people is to think innovation. Think like what, like, what if you didn't have to take a salary because you are an influencer and you're finding needs that are viable enough to get paid for. Right. And so in our church planting residency, uh, we're, we're, we're also like I'm coaching my leaders. I'm coaching these guys to 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 become great at being entrepreneurs. So, for example, our church has a program called Shift Shift, um, you know, takes our church and community members, you know, and helps them shift their mindset entrepreneurially. I take the same process that we have in shift and then implement that in our church planting residency. And then I invite those that we are, that we're personally raising up to become facilitators in our program so that they can engage with the community that we're empowering to become entrepreneurs. And it's been amazing. I think about our, our church planting resident right now, his name's BK and BK is from inner city, um, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Kansas City, and uh, he's a great guy. Played uh, D one football in Nebraska. Went to play for the Chiefs for a little bit, and you know we formed a friendship. And you know he was telling me about how he had this heart for business, and he had tried to start a business. And long story short, it, it ended up not happening. So I just started coaching BK as when he became a resident, and now he, his his business is growing. Uh, He's not just known as a pastor, but he's also known as a business leader. Uh, He's also a coach uh, where he's coaching football. And so it's this eclectic view of disciple making um, through the lens of being an influencer. And it's it's beautiful. And the cool thing is uh, three years ago, we launched, we merged as Mission Church. And six months later, we had um, launched a daughter church, uh, Pastor Ron Smith, and uh, whom you know. And okay. Pastor Ron is the same thing. He's from inner city Chicago. And, you know, we're we're looking at launching in inner cities, you know, saturate every inner city with diverse, hope Field churches is our kind of modus operandi. And so one of the things he went out and did is started a cleaning business, right? Partnering with mega churches to clean their business, to clean their, you know, their, you know their their auditoriums or the buildings or whatnot, and so that's the thing. Like, and and, and I, we we've had to dispel the myth because there's a myth in um, church planting world that somehow, you know, to be a side hustle pastor is unacceptable, right? Why? Because you have to be a pastor, and we've capped and limited leaders who are highly apostolic and highly entrepreneurial. And we've told them that you have to just focus on the flock. And that's what we generally tell pastors. We say, hey, you just be a pastor. You just be a good little pastor. You just take care of the sheep. Don't, don't worry about the, the outside of the sheep pen. But it's like, no, nah, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is leading people into a whole filled life in Christ by any, means, by any means necessary and focusing on having an intentional time of disciple-making where you're inviting them also into your life and raising them up as influencers to make a difference where they live, where they work, where they play.
1: Hey, that's really wonderful. You know, I, I my head is spinning with different thoughts and ideas. I, I remember uh, we started the first church with a dozen people and, and basically out of our life savings, we had saved enough money to put as a down payment on a house. We we're 25 years old and, and all that money went away in two months and I was in despair. I was going to just quit because the model was either you're paid by the church or you're a failure. And so I, I was ready to give in. The Lord thankfully rescued us. But I, I've come to realize that that model just locks a lot of people out of ministry. And for sure, it locks people that would uh, that maybe graduate from a seminary, want to go plant a church, might be listening to us. And they want to go to some small population or so, some poor population Uh, someplace where it's going to be difficult to kind of be a missionary in our own country, to go to people a little different than you. So things are going to go slow, but the model that we have embraced that this high bucks model uh, says you can't go there because you can't make the money work or you got to go and steal people from other churches in order to build that main event that where you can draw the offering that can, that can fund your lifestyle. I talked to one guy who actually raised one and a quarter million dollars to plant a church, and he's a year and a half into the church, and he is so sad that he raised all that money because he's got twenty some odd churches now breathing down his neck, expecting him to 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 be a, a mega church, and he's decided he wants to make disciples who make disciples and plant a lot of churches, and so he's not wanting to turn in those big numbers, but now he's being forced to turn them in. So. Uh, the, the model is clearly broken when it comes to making disciples and, 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 and multiplying that process of disciple-making. You've tapped into it, which kind of rolls us over into the, the capacity-making dimension, the, the three dimensions being uh, disciple-making, capacity-building, and mobilization. And, and as we talk, uh, I think it's kind of natural for people who are doing this, people like yourself, myself, I got a friend named Jeff McKay who serially planted one after another seven churches in Japan, uh, worked for a denomination that wouldn't allow him to go teach English and interface with the public. He had to just do the, you know, and uh, the, all this, this sense of my hands are tied behind my back because of the models that we've been given are not like the New Testament. What you're describing is very much like what Paul and Barnabas would have done on their missionary journeys with people who were, you know, side hustle pastors because they did their other job to earn a living. But as we get into capacity building, um, mostly uh, we we think in terms of a a bigger auditorium, more chairs, uh, then multiple services. Then some people get into the multi-site deal. And I'm not really sure why somebody would want to watch me on video uh, when they could go watch Andy Stanley on video. But, you know, those are the things that that people get into, and it all costs a lot of money. But when COVID-19 hit, uh, there's a number of people that were off to the races because they found out that they could add capacity really inexpensively because you can rent space online for pennies uh, while it costs millions of dollars to rent the same amount of space if you're thinking about Uh, capacity, how many people I can touch, how many people I talk to, Uh, it gets a lot less to do it online than it does in a building. And so let's talk about capacity building, because when the addition church wants to get more seats, more people in those seats, more money coming from those seats, Uh, the multiplication church wants to think about how can we launch more churches and, and do it maybe smaller, but more of it. And some of those will grow very large in house church movement. All those things have have added in. But now we're in this this world that will forever be different because America has learned that it can do business online. We can do medicine online. Uh, We can do business, business online. Companies are learning that many of their employees would rather work from home. So there are people who have now dropped out of church since COVID. There's uh, 30% of the people who are attending church online or saying, I don't want to go back in a building. You've tapped into this thing really, really well to the point that you're you're doing something that might be new to some people who are watching us called DigiChurch. And explain DigiChurch and and explain how, uh, I mean, the explosion of growth. Just give us some numbers. I don't usually like to hear numbers, but give us numbers. Start with the size of your congregation prior to COVID. Uh, you probably peaked out like everybody else, where you exploded huge, and then kind of had a little fall back. Uh, but but I know the numbers now are much bigger than they were before. Uh, go into that and go into it in in some real detail.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ralph. Um, so before before COVID, we had um, just we've planted over we've had tons of churches over the last decade. So I can't even count that number, but um we were we were a second gen church we had planted another church pre, pre no three churches um prior to covid um and we were a church of 300 um and then um you know we we like rapidly grew virally and then now we've kind of capped at about we're a church of about 2500 but we reach on a, on a on a weekly basis maybe over like 100,000 people a week um, we're in front of. Here's what. Here's what's working for me. Um, it was a perfect storm. Number one, I'm a digital marketer. I own an agency, a digital marketing agency, villagesocial.biz. And when COVID wait, wait,
1: wait, hit. Stop right there. Stop right there. I'm, I'm the pastor who's struggling. I, I'm, I'm not touching people. I'm trying to do this online thing. It's just not working for me. And uh, I know we're not supposed to be real commercial here, but uh, you are a digital marketer. And that's what you you put that together with the disciple making energy that's in your church. And, it, and and it's paid off. And if I want to know more about that, how, what is there a website? How can I get in contact with you and learn more? Or is there a book? Well, you, give me some trailheads before you tell the rest of the story. Yeah. So here are, here are a couple
2: of things. A lot of churches and pastors don't have time to think about how to build a digital church movement. Um, if that's the case, um, go to myronpiers.com or villagesocial.biz, either one of those. I also wrote a trilogy. Um, and it's a capacity building tri- trilogy as it pertains to Digi church. The first one, the first book I wrote on capacity building when it comes to digital Digi church is why social media should be your number one, Um, strategy. So you can get that on Amazon. Secondly, I wrote digital ministry, pastoring in a pandemic. Then thirdly, the third book I wrote digi church. So those three are on Amazon. They became bestsellers overnight because this is where the need is. And so that kind of helped. And then lastly, if you're if you don't have time to read a book um, or get coaching by me, you can just go to launchingdigitalchurches.com, and you can get a digital access pass, and I teach you how to launch a digi church in seven days. I I, I did it, um, so you can get the digital access pass for that.
1: Let's start there. Tell me how to start a digital
2: church in seven days. They can get the digital access pass.
0: <laughs> uh, it, boils, it boils down.
2: It boils I'm, down. I'm, down the- it boils down to three things, three things. You need a, you need a paradigm for digi church. You need principles that guide your, your your, guide you as a leader, as a church planter. And then you need a process, right? So um, there there's a paradigm. You need a minimal ecclesiology for what church is. There are principles to launching and leading a digi church. And then there's a process uh, whereby we
1: use to emerge as a digi church somewhere in the world. Right now, I heard I heard somebody else ask you this question. So this is a loaded question because I know that the answer doesn't fit the expectation that that other person had in mind when they asked the question. And the question was, so Myron, when we're talking digi church, uh, we must be talking micro church. What are we talking? Two people, ten people? Uh, what how, what are the numbers here?
2: You you need a minimal ecclesiology, and I think it taps into what people are asking, like how do you do the one one another. How do you do one another online? How do you do that? Um, that's where I'd say you need a minimal Um You plus me plus Jesus equals ecclesia. Agree. Okay. Right. So you need a minimal ecclesiology. And in that minimal ecclesiology, you need to then develop a philosophy on how we're going to do life together online. Right. And we can draw those principles from the scripture and we can draw those principles for how did, Mike, how did um, Mark Zuckerberg, how was he able to build an online community that is that if it was a country, would be the third largest country in the world. So if Mark Zuckerberg can do it, if TikTok can do it, if Twitter can do it, if IG can do it, then we as a church are behind, and we should do it.
1: Right. So when you're talking digital churches now, give give me some examples. Tell me where you are, uh, and how big they are. And so then let's first, talk then, to, let's first, let's first define Digi church. Okay.
2: My paradigm or framework for Digi church is acts eight one. So if you look, let's, let's go back. Up. Acts one, eight says, go into all the world, make disciples. We know for about 10 years. I think you teach us that, that the, the new Testament church was in disobedience because they didn't leave Jerusalem, right? right? They were operating at level three. At Acts 1 8, all the way up until Acts 10. Let's go before Acts 10. Then let's look at Acts 8 1. Just switch those numbers around. Something um, like something crazy happens. It says that the persecution. So we see 1 8 is to go. We get to 8 1, and it takes persecution. We get to 2020, and it took a pandemic. All right. What happened in the pandemic? The church took a pivot. The gospel went viral digitally, and consequently, people have come to faith in Christ. Now, we then gather those people into clusters or groups called the ecclesia to be discipled, and then we disciple them into leaders who can then emerge and continue the movement on of making, you know, disciples.
1: right. So what's the result right now? I mean, how you go from three hundred people to where you've kind of settled into about twenty five hundred that yeah. that are active, and what's it look like? I mean, don't, don't name some cities. Where are you? Uh, how, how many people? Because because uh, that question again that, that other guy asked. It's not me asking that question. That yeah, other we, guy we asked. Um,
2: we've again when the pandemic hit, we already had a discipleship culture and a structure. We already we already identify what it means to make disciples we have to be intentional invitational and influential right like we we had that so then it, it gave us leverage to go to harare zimbabwe gave us leverage to go to Accra, ghana gave us leverage to go to kc gave us leverage to go to chicago gave us leverage to go to um rock hill south carolina um like, you know what I mean? Like it gave us leverage and it gave us permission. And so for us, again, everything we do, we're guided by vision. And so our vision as a movement now is to saturate every inner city with diverse, hope-filled churches. And so when we think about how are we going to go to the next city to lead people into a hope filled life in Christ, we have to first identify the location. Simply, like, okay, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to be influential. This is where we want to reach people. This is where we want to share the gospel. This is where we want to disciple people. So we did that with Kansas City, right? Now, we have a church planting resident, and so we we did a small pivot and accelerated his process a little bit and put him in a game and turned him into a campus pastor. What are we doing? We're giving him an opportunity to experience what it's like without fully – allow releasing him yet because he's not yet ready. And so what we did was give him a, an opportunity, right? Right. So now as we've as we've um gone into Kansas City digitally did digitally with the gospel, what has emerged are people who are being discipled every single week. Guess by who? By him. My friend, our church planting resident, right? right. So he's you know, so he's intentionally um, investing in them every single week. The cool thing about that also is that then as, as, as there are discipleship opportunities, right, discipleship opportunities, we then invite them, hey, won't you come hang out um, at an online family gathering, right, family gathering, uh, where, where seating is unlimited, right? And then also we want them to join our Facebook group community. That's where we do life at. So when I say invitational, what does invitational look like from a digital perspective? It's doing life in our Facebook group. Well, how do we do that? We throw parties, right? We, we have comedy events, right? Where we sit back, we laugh together. We have counseling sessions, right? Mm-hmm. We have equipping opportunities and classes, right? Sometimes, you know what I mean? And so it's like, that's where we get to be um, creative in how we do life. You know what I mean? Eventually it's going to be a time where, where BK, where, where I'll say, Hey, I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the pastor of a uh, mission church, KC. uh, peace. You can, you can do that. And he can, he can continue as a digital church pastor, or he could decide that I'm going to move to Kansas city or he can plant in one of our villages in, in North Omaha, and he'll be a pastor of two churches.
1: It's so you, again, I want to come back to numbers because I know there's a people that are sitting here thinking, oh, so he's probably talking about eight people. Uh, I, tell me tell me the numbers in Kansas City. Then let's go someplace else in the world, Zimbabwe. Uh, our London family.
2: Yeah, um, we're in front of thousands of people in um, – in Kansas city, our online family gathering, uh, is about 300. Um, we can dictate, we can dictate how, how much capacity we want online. Why? Because I'm a digital marketer. I can decide. I can build a customer value journey and help people on the journey toward Jesus. Right. We just, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're I'm just not doing it right now. We're, we're doing it with our, our hub church. We are, Right. We don't have time to do that right now. I just want to get him, give him some reps. I want him to be able to pastor uh, and while I'm teaching him what it means to be a digital marketer and what it means to be a pastor.
1: Right. So you you did this also in uh, let's just talk about uh, Zimbabwe, Harare, Zimbabwe. No, there's a man in your church from Zimbabwe and you got him pastoring this. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, is uh, Brixton, London. Is that something we should talk about also? Let's talk about yeah. those two and we'll move on to mobilization because I know that people want to ask some questions and uh, we're going to run out of time, but give us, give us Harari real quick. Give us Brixton. I got to tell everybody before we get into Brixton, uh, Myron called me, Myron and I were in London a uh, year ago, hanging out and teaching some guys and he got lost getting there. And he calls me up one t- Tuesday morning. He goes, Where's that place? How's that in London? Where did I get lost in London on the, on the on the train? And and I Jesus wants me to start a church there, and I'm starting to go. Oh my gosh, this guy is explosive. He's going to move his family to London. That's my first thought. And <laughs> and then oh no no no, I met a guy from there while we were there, and and I want him to pastor. We're going to start a digi church there. And you have done that. I mean, you that was a Tuesday, and, and you had started you had a group by Sunday, which is amazing to me. So like five days and there, and from, from, in a hundred bucks, right? Facebook ads or whatever you did. So tell us yep. just uh, Zimbabwe and, and then Brixton, South London.
2: Yeah. So, um, the, I'm, I'm always looking as a, as a leader, Ralph, who, what do we, who do, who do we have? And what do we have? Not what don't we have, therefore we can't. Right. So when you think about church planting, that that's how the kingdom works. That's with Moses, God asked Moses, what's in your hand. God asked the woman, go back to your, you know what I mean? It's like, what's in your house and in our house, our leaders. So yeah. pastor Kanos, who's from Zimbabwe is an elder in our church, right? I'm trying to send everybody, your dog, your cat, your mama, everybody have to go be a church planter. And uh, so I just said, Hey man, you're from Zimbabwe. What do you think about if we start planting the gospel? and getting the gospel into uh, your, your, you know, into Zimbabwe. And so, uh, you know, we took him through the, the the church planting track. We expedited that track. Um, and now he is planting the gospel in his native um, country and he's making disciples. He's counseling people. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he's a digi church pastor. Same thing with Brixton, London. I fell in love with Brixton, London and knew that, that, that somehow I will be connected to Brixton, London. Right. And so a crazy thing is I started discipling a guy from London. Right. And then one of the guys that I was in a penitentiary with, I said, Hey, what do you think about planting a church in London? He's like, do you really think I should leave my family and go to London? I said, yes and no. (laughs) <laughs> right? In fact, what if I told you, you didn't have to go to London to plant the gospel in London. And what if we launched the Digi church in London? And so now, listen, man, thousands of people are experiencing the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are being ministered to people are being discipled. And Ralph, I'm telling you, it is incredible. And, and, you know, when I first tell people that our movements dream, our macro dream is a saturate, um, the inner, every inner city with diverse, hope-filled churches. When I tell them that, they look at me kind of like, "Oh, uh, here, here are one of these young, young passionate guys. Like, here you go again. Uh, but with the advent of COVID that has disrupted our economy and the world, we've innovated, and now we can actually see the acceleration happen possibly in my lifetime. And so that's, that's, that's a little bit about it, man. It's just, I mean, again, I'm not hanging my hat on DigiChurch. I'm hanging my hat on disciple making because DigiChurch could go away tomorrow. The government could decide to shut down the internet. Mm-hmm. And if they shut down the internet, I'm, we're going to launch audio churches. They shut down the internet. We're going to launch um, direct mail churches by any means necessary. Whenever there's disruption, innovation is right at the door.
1: And if they shut it all all down, we can start spending more time with our neighbors, our next door neighbors and the guy across the street and down the road. That's really good. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about mobilization. Uh, For for a lot of churches, mobilization means – a uh, guy comes in, uh, goes through some little course to learn what it means to be a Christian, how he can be assured of his salvation, but that his prayers are going to be answered, how to read the Bible, and now how to greet people in the parking lot. And And now he's mobilized as a member of that church. He's doing ministry for Jesus. And that's true, but there's more to it than that. And uh, I want you to give us the more to it than that part uh, that, that happens uh, right there in North Omaha I, I mean I was in your church uh, it rocks out I know you're changing church when you go back in the building uh, to be more interactive than you were before and that's going to have an impact on mobilization but but talk about some some people who uh, the process if somebody comes to the Lord they're 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 a, they're a taker they're a receiver and now they're a giver and there and it's not you I mean there have to be people doing stuff inside the church building or, or or whatever, but there are also that shouldn't be ninety nine percent of the people. How do we mobilize people to do stuff you know outside not just to be little everyday missionaries in the community, but to actually plant the gospel?
2: Ralph this is this is where I have such a holy discontent because I started to think about this that we market the acme of Christianity by going through four classes. <laughs> you know, and we, and we and we really cast a a here to there vision. That here's where you are, but if you really want to be at God's best, the whole goal is to find your spiritual gift, and then we're gonna we're gonna put you in the cafe. You're gonna change. You're gonna change the world, one coffee one coffee at a time. And that is a bunch of b- baloney. You're not gonna change the world. I'm sorry, you're not gonna change the world because you, you, found, you have a hospitality gift and, you're, and you greeted somebody. No, that's just called house rules. That's what you do in a family. Like, we teach our people, these are just family responsibilities. This is, if you're gonna be in, our, in this family, you, you have a responsibility. You are going to change the world when you discover what God's dream is for your life. That's outside of your responsibilities as a family. My boys have responsibilities. They got to clean their room. They're doing remote learning right now, right? They got to treat their mom with respect. They got to save a little bit of money. They got to give to God. Those are all responsibilities. That has nothing to do with the, the destiny on their life. Could 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 that be used as a micro opportunity to build stewardship? Yes. Right? To to, to learn at a micro level responsibility? Of course. How to steward a family responsibility and so, so that God could entrust you with more responsibility? Of course. Right? But at the end of the day, our churches have to become dream factories. And it right. and it has to be cultural. It, it, like, like, we have to decide we're going to be a dream factory, not a museum. Like, like, yeah, like, a museum is where people come to see what used to be. Because that's what we're ultimately perpetuating in level three Christian America. Hey, come and see what used to be. Like, like what used to be? What used to be is you stand up and you preach a sermon, and then somebody say, oh, that was good. That's a museum. I'm not hating on it. Like, if that's your thing, cool, right? But we can't make that the the gold standard for Christianity anymore. The gold standard for Christianity is what is the Holy Spirit doing? What is the Holy Spirit saying? So in our family, we've said we want to be a dream factory. We've said we don't want to manipulate people into serving in our events and, and tricking them into a, to thinking that this is how they're going to change the world. No, we want you to join our family gatherings to discover what the Holy Spirit is saying and to tap into what your holy discontent, passion, and purpose is so that you can get after that and become a billboard for the gospel. And then as people ask questions, you give a reason for the hope that lies within you and then you can then invite them into your life, and be intentional about doing life, and then perpetuate this track of hey, now you can go, then go be an influencer. Yeah, this is good. This so we're, is we're really a dream factory. We're a dream factory. Jesus, it. Jesus built a dream factory,
1: and that's why we're here today. A dream factory with with uh, filled with hope builders, yeah. So I'm wondering if people have any questions that they want to ask, and we can go on talking. I'm I'm happy with it, but um, are, are there are there any questions appearing in the in the chat?
2: Yeah, I know one person asked about, um, you know, a fellow. Tell us more about the fellowship program. And I think maybe she was maybe alluding to our, our, like how we raise up church planters. Um, but we, we basically break our residency, um, track into threes, into three, three things. There's a, there's an educational aspect. We do want to, we do want our, our leaders to have a biblical backbone. Right. Um, and so we just take them through an unaccredited biblical pathway Uh, We use (laughs) christianuniversity.org. It's free. Um, The second thing is developmental. Um, What we do is we focus on their soul care. I focus on um, soul care, uh, mentoring, and coaching, right? Those are the three things for their development. Soul care, mentoring, and coaching. Those three things. And then lastly, experience, um, I give them reps in everything, you know, reps in preaching, reps in leading our, 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 um, our entrepreneurship incubator, reps in uh, leading in a citywide collaborative event together. Anything I'm doing, I give them reps in, right? So that's kind of our threefold approach to raising up church planners.
1: That's good. You know, one guy asked a question of how do you do one another online, or how can we do that? You know, for us, um, and I oversimplify this all the time. And I, and I, you know, one one uh, thing that I've come to believe is that in the church world, um, people want something that costs money. It's a, give me a program, and that costs a lot of money, and be really complicated. And then next year I'll find another program, and and the year after that another one, because nothing seems to really work. But since about 1976, uh, we've been doing what I'm going to call micro church inside the church, um, small groups inside the church, but we made it church. We actually we called it in in the early days, mini church, mini car, mini skirt, mini church, you know, product of the 70s. <laughs> and uh, we felt like we, what we want to do is Tack down the word of God in people's lives. So we we build this around the, the hub of this is the Bible teaching, and to me, Sunday morning is like a, like going to Bible school, but make it fun, and tell a lot of stories. And so I'm just going. say so I'm taking them through Romans, and we're just going chapter at a time or whatever. And in, in in the in the mini church, you're going to be asked, "What did the Spirit say to you while the pastor was talking?" So you're talking about the The word of God applying to your life, and uh, and so and now and it's and it's heavy emphasis on the Spirit talking to you, not the pastor talking to you. Then the next thing is, what are you going to do about it? And we found that as soon as people start to say, "I'm going to do this," they tend to stick to their word. And then the third question is, how can we come alongside and help? And here's the answer to the question that the guy asked: uh, How do you do one another? As soon as you start to ask that question. Now everybody, we're in partnership in this, and the, and the one another's happen. And uh, for us, um, this has always been a life-building thing. We get together the following week, hey, you know, I tried to help you get a job this week, or I appointed you to this person, whatever we did. And, and, and so the spiritual gifts begin to just manifest. No spiritual gifts assessment, no test. It's just people are living, doing life together. Well, we found it's very easy to take that online. And um, yesterday somebody hit me up with a new piece of software new to me called Voxer, where it's kind of a messaging. You can leave verbal messages and and you can have 24 seven access and we can do this with individual messaging, but you can message the group or message one-on-one. These tools are out there and it's really easy for us to connect with each other through the internet. I, I heard Dave Ferguson last week say that he's finding that it's more intimate to do uh, a, a, a small group or a home church, whatever you want to call it, by Zoom than it is uh, people who will open up that wouldn't if they're sitting in a room together. Another friend of mine said that he found that if you did it online, uh, you don't have to drive there. You don't have to get, you know, you can work in your yard all day and come in and be sweaty and, and, and be in your, your church. Uh, there's some real good advantages here to doing this online. And yet I think there's this feeling that people have that uh, once we go online, everything is cold and impersonal. And uh, what are are you finding? I mean, you're talking to lots of people. I know that you've made some relationships with people who you have never physically met, and yet you have intimate uh, disciple-making relationships with people in other continents even. Uh, just just kind of, again, answer his question. He goes, how do you do the one another's online? How can we do that?
2: I think, Ralph, um, we are – I think what happens is sometimes we, we want to create formulas. And, and I, I'd say this, like, what, what may be best in your context – may not be best in ours. There are some broad ones. We use Zoom. We use GroupMe. uh, WhatsApp for our um, international audience. Voxer is excellent. But all those are great tools. You first have to figure out what what are our non-negotiable rhythms as a church. So for us, our rhythm is we're going to worship together. All right, cool. Well, what tool or utility do I need to make that happen? second thing we're going to we're going to be great at disciple making okay what tools do i need instead of the reverse so i'm going to go do this oh that didn't work now oh i'm going to go no nope, no nope, no nope, no nope. focus on what your rhythms are up in and out we're going to also impact the world we're going to influence the world okay what tools utilities do you need to do that versus don't don't let the don't 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 let the uh, dog wag the tail or whatever however that goes don't put the cart before the horse figure out what the horse is and then figure out which cart needs to. Would be my advice.
1: All right. So, people are looking for tools. Um, they're 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 looking. They're they're struggling. What what would you say is, is a starting point? Let's come back to. I'm the guy who uh, I've been, I've been pastoring a hundred people and maybe hundred and ten people on a big day, and now COVID hit. And we're struggling, and we, we need to know a little bit about where can we go to figure out how to how to do what you just said, how to take the – I mean, to, to me, you, you have to start with your values. And then on yeah. top of your values, you, you put whatever vision is in your heart. And then vocabulary. I mean, I hear you using words, you know, rhythm. Uh, you, you actually dis- define disciple-making. Uh, I, I think every church kind of needs its its own vocabulary so that people are all on the same play page. And then you start to tell the stories of, of what's going on in people's lives. And then whatever you're bragging about, whatever you're making a hero of, well, that's what you're going to get more of. But I'm, I'm this guy and I'm a little bit discouraged and, and things aren't going where I want them to go. And I just really don't know what to do. I think that some sort of an online experience might be good, but I'm a little afraid of it. I want to put my toe in the water. I, I'm going to tell that person, if he's talking to me, I'm going to say, you need to probably start out doing your church service live on Zoom. Uh, don't do your church service as a pre recorded Facebook live because, again, I could go listen to Rick Warren or Andy Stanley. Why would I listen to you? Because they're better at pre recorded video than you are. But but if, if you're live on Zoom and I could talk back to you, or or you could see my face, then that's there, something that those guys can't do in my little community. Your your little community. Um, what? And, and again, before we're done, I, I want you to, to give me reference to your books uh, to some starting points. Uh, the, the the people who are listening are going, yeah, this is really sounds good to me, but what do I do? Uh, yeah. So I, here's,
2: yeah, again, I'd say what you do and what I do could be completely different because of, because of the journey. What's uh-huh. the horse again, what's the horse and then the, the, the side, the carts. But if you really want to get started and you really want to, you really go want to go from here to there and you're struggling and you're like, I don't know where to start. The first thing I would say is read the trilogy on Amazon, my books, The first book to read is why social media should be your number one strategy. Secondly, you need to read digital ministry, how to pastor in a pandemic. And thirdly, you need to read DigiChurch. So read those three books. They're, They're very, very cheap on Amazon. Secondly, after you're done with the trilogy, then you need to go get the the practical application, that digital access pass I was talking about, Launching Digital Churches. So you can go to launchingdigitalchurches.com, okay? Now, after you have read the books, you've done the training, you've launched, and you say, man, like, I need, I need, I need, I need ongoing coaching or consulting, then just send me an email, info at myronpears.com. I'm consulting churches and leaders all over North America and we'll certainly love to do the same with you.
1: Well, that's good. So, is there anything else that you'd say? We've got like four minutes left. Um, three dimensions of multiplication. What comes to your head? You know,
2: I've been chasing you around, Ralph, for um, a couple years now, and and I think at the end of the day, we learn best by the people we do life with, and uh, we've been doing life um, uh, as friends and, uh, you've, you've, you've impacted my life so much. And so I think every leader needs a guide. Uh, every, every, every leader needs a leader who's been down, um, the road, the journey a lot longer than us. Um, and you've been that for me. And so if anything, if you're going to get down these three dimensions of uh, multiplication, you need a Ralph, um, you need a guide, uh, so that you're not doing it alone.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I've been getting a lot of uh, people asking, you know, can I talk to you over Zoom? And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm actually thinking about maybe starting some kind of a coaching class or something like that online myself. But one thing that I want to add to what you just said is how much I learned from you. Uh, The the fact that I would even be considering doing some kind of an online coaching thing comes from the I've I've been – I'm of the mind that when we get into disciple-making relationships, ultimately it's two or three of us gathered together in Jesus' name, and he's in the midst, and he's guiding the conversations because um, I know I've taught you an awful lot. Uh, we've even talked about investing and, and money and stuff like that. Uh, there's a guy in Hawaii. I taught him how to work on cars. I taught him how to buy used cars instead of buy new ones and, and save some money. He, he's out there pastoring like uh, 25,000 people. I think it's come down to online. but stuff I would never do, but I've learned a lot of stuff from him. I, I've learned a lot from you, and I think what really happens is that Jesus is mixing it up with us and, and helping us learn from each other. And so I think we're about to bring this thing to a close. I just want to thank everybody who listened Uh, There's some of you I know are thinking, oh, my gosh, these guys just made this thing too commercial uh, by touting Myron's books. Well, if you're looking for help, uh, we're supposed to give you help, and we just did the best thing we could do by giving you trailheads where you're going to get some help. And uh, we're going to be doing this for the next 10 weeks. Next week, we're going to be talking about the tensions of multiplication, and we're interviewing a guy named Zach Nazarian i met zach uh his wife had just divorced him he was mad at the church for us showing up on on scene he thought i was a crazy man thinking we we're going to get this building and and then he shows up in our church broken he ended up the pastor that i handed off to when i moved away to hawaii to start all over and uh and so he's struggling with this great big church and and the expectation uh, as a as a brand new pastor he's got to multiply and he went and did it so uh check you out next week, check us out next week God bless This fall,
0: Exponential is hosting roundtable events in cities all across America. These half-day gatherings in smaller settings will allow church leaders to prioritize peer-to-peer conversations and receive practical training on how to prepare their church to lead for racial reconciliation. Exponential roundtables will help you continue to pursue church multiplication in these challenging times. Find a roundtable near you this fall by visiting multiplication.org.